Welcome to National Poetry Month at the Other Pages. My name is Steve Spinutis, and I curate the series each year with help and contributions from Bob Blair, Kashiana Singh, and Nelson Howard Miller. I'm coming to you from Coral Springs, Florida, on the eastern edge of the Everglades. Today's selection once again focuses on a poet I should have known about, but did not. Irish poet Vowena Gorky was born in Mostrim, population 2072, in the middle of the country. She received her degrees from Irish universities, including Trinity College Dublin, before coming to the U.S. to teach at Villanova and Wake Forest. She currently teaches at the University of Manchester in the U.K. She has published six volumes of poetry, won several prizes and awards for her writing, and is also currently editor of the Poetry Ireland Review. Today's poem is simple, and yet not so simple. It's a character study, perhaps in the vein of Longfellow's famous blacksmith, but this one's about an Italian stonecarver who works on headstones for the local cemetery. It's a more thoughtful portrait, however, far from one-dimensional, with an interplay of thought between the perfect figures he carves, intricate but lifeless, frozen in time, and life's simple but transient realities. She begins with, The day is hot. So far this morning his hand has held true, not a stipple, not a glitch unwarranted. Some days his right hand contradicts what his left his holding placid, steadfast left requires. He works in shade. A man of means has died, and the dying must be marked in marble, carved to trap not grief, but its dramatized effect. A mantilla so fine it sweeps its lace, a boot so certain it folds the fact of death in every crease. As he carves exactingly detailed portraits of others in stone, he thinks about his own family and his own life, the observed details of life are simple, but very sensory in nature. The curl of his wife's hair, the tilt of his daughter's chin when singing, rabbit and peaches for dinner. His mind goes back and forth, methodically, between the two worlds he inhabits. The peach, he thinks, will be ripe and sweet, the skin rhyming with the curve of the face he carved today, which he knows, as he does, will be what visitors will want to touch, so it stays pure and white from rubbing, when the rest is smut-clogged gray for luck, or for prayer. His hand is the first, on a child so plausible, he almost whispers he's sorry to be leaving her there. As he carves one day, he has an entertaining sty in one of his eyelids, and reality-based artist that he is, he includes it in a carving. It's so small that only he can see it, but he knows it's there. Life's small imperfections. The things that tell us that, while we're not perfect like the stone, we're alive and can see and hear and smell and taste and feel the reality of the world around us. Gorky ends with, And this is how we live, by the power of bodies apt to do whatever we ask of them to make us real. From what I see, there is no sty, nor can my finger feel it out, the same finger typing words you could run your own hand over and feel nothing, or not much. Unless it's a sore eye, you lift your hand too, unless it's dust on your tongue. Her conclusion is that life's imperfections are not important. The sty is not visible to her, just as her words cannot be felt on the page, though there is truth in them, unless, she suggests, there is pain in them, throbbing like the stone carver's eye, or, she says, like dust on your tongue. The dust here is in keeping with the rock dust imagery of the stone carver, but the metaphor that, along with the imagery of death and lifelessness and all those things that have gone before in the poem, tell you it's not dust on your tongue, it's ashes. And that metaphor is always grief, a thing that, like the throbbing eye, can never be ignored. A shout out to Michael Duchesne, 
who mentioned this poem in the intro to one of his podcasts. If you'd like to listen to Vona reading some of her poems, the Gallery Press has several available online. Uh, both those links are in the text, as is uh, the link for the text of this poem online at the Hudson Review. Uh, it's the second poem on the page, so uh, after you reach there, you'll have to scroll down a bit to find it. If you like this particular poem, I'd also suggest The Carver by Conrad Aiken. Once again, this is Steve Spinutis for TheOtherPages.org. Thank you for listening. You can find more at TheOtherPages.org or at The Other Pages on Facebook or Tumblr. Uh, if you like these commentaries and the poem selections, please share them, either the text versions or the podcasts, on social media. Still Life in Marble Saglieno Cemetery, Genoa, Italy 1. The day is hot. So far this morning his hand has held true, not a stipple, not a glitch unwarranted. Some days his right hand contradicts what his left, his holding, placid, steadfast left, requires. He works in shade. A man of means has died, and the dying must be marked in marble, carved to trap, not grief, but its dramatized effect. A mantilla so fine, it weeps its lace. A boot so certain, it folds the fact of death in every crease. 2. He thinks of his wife walking back this evening from her mother's house, her hair in a coil at the neck of her blue dress. He thinks of his son, all but over that rasp of cough, his daughter tilting her chin up when she sings, rabbit for dinner, and a peach for afterwards. He will eat, say his prayers, dream of God knows what, and tomorrow come early, as usual, to pick up where he leaves off now, his mallet and five chisels, wrapped in linen, laid in the wooden box with his name on it. 3. A mother lifts a child to kiss her grandfather's lips. Heavy that child for so high a grandfather. And there, yes, the mother's arms are strained. You can see the flex of them under her dress. And the child who kisses, not quite, those lips will squirm, you know it, the second afterwards, and demand to be released to no scone kiss, to the garden where girls play, his daughters too. But he is not the afterwards. He is now. 4. Yesterday he had dust in his eye that he scratched, not meaning to. Today he is a sty he imagines bigger than his head, the way it throbs. So he carves a pimple in the corner of one eye of the woman so dedicated to her dutiful grief. She will forever lift her daughter to a kiss that can neither be taken nor given, his hand coming between. A little pimple only, barely visible, but his mark, still, the way he might carve a foot to be his wife's and she to know it when she sees it and to peel his peach for him that evening, with her hair loose about her face the way he loves it, just for him, smelling of almonds and oranges, as stone never does. 5. The peach, he thinks, will be ripe and sweet, the skin rhyming with the curve of the face he carved today, which he knows, as he does, will be what visitors want to touch, so it stays pure white from rubbing, when the rest is smut-clawed gray, for luck or for prayer. His hand is the first, on a child so plausible, he almost whispers he's sorry for leaving her there. Tonight he will ask his daughter to sing, praise the song, no matter what. Tomorrow he'll unpack his tools, starting again on poppy seed heads he will carve so fine that you can almost count the seeds inside, feel them prickle when the wind is up. So little do they know about stone. It's only future, a snag of heat, turned into a depth of cold. 6. And this is how we live, by the power of bodies apt to do whatever we ask of them, 
to make us real. From what I see, there is no sty, nor could my finger feel it out, the same finger typing words you could run your own hand over and feel nothing, or not much. Unless it's a sore eye, you lift your hand to, unless it's dust on your tongue. Once again, this is Steve Spinutis for TheOtherPages.org. Thank you for listening. You can find more at TheOtherPages.org or at The Other Pages on Facebook or Tumblr.